Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of Mercer Mondays. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about stopping the hate towards the Asian American and Pacific Islander community. I have a great group of people here with me today. Let's go ahead and start by having everyone introduce themselves. So my name is Julia Tra. I'm a sophomore, and I'm currently on the pre-nursing pathway and majoring in business management. My name is Daniel Mai. I am a freshman, and I am a public health major pre-med track. Hi, my name is Tiffany Hong. I am a biomedical engineering major on the pre-med track. Good morning, everybody. My name is Dr. Angela Booker. I'm the director for diversity and inclusion initiatives. Hi, my name is Eve Boma, and I am a freshman. I am currently majoring in biology on the pre-med track. Hi, my name is Michelle Zhang. I'm a junior, and I'm majoring in mechanical engineering. Hi, my name is Kenia. I'm a first year of biology major on the pre-med track. All right, thank you, everybody. Dr. Booker mentioned this in the introduction. I'm sure we've all heard of it. Um, on March 16th, there was a series of mass shootings that took place at three spas in the Atlanta area, really close, it sounds like, to where some of you all grew up. Um, eight people were killed, six of whom were Asian American women. And so there's been a lot of information in the news. The shooter claiming told the police that this attack was motivated by like his sexual addiction. And so people are trying to invalidate um, that this was like a deliberate attack on the Asian American community. However, I think it's it's clear that this was a hate crime aimed towards the Asian community, um, specifically Asian women and the elderly. So I want you guys to kind of talk about how, like what your immediate reaction was to hearing of this event. Um, and then we'll kind of move into the sort of the social media response that we've seen since that event took place. I first heard about the attack while I was actually at home mm-hmm. with my family. Um, we, I learned about it from my dad telling my sister about it. But for some reason, I didn't catch on that there were Asian Americans that were included in the attack. Mm-hmm. But I only found that out later the next day when I went back to campus. And I looked at the news like correctly and saw that they were six Asian American women that were killed. I was, to say the least, extremely angry about what happened because my own mother works at a salon, like a nail salon. So seeing all those Asian American women being killed at the place that they worked at, I fear for my own mom who works at a place similar to that, which I shouldn't have to, but there was fearing for my mother and for the rest of my family and for the rest of the Asian community on like, how are we gonna move forward from this? Just, it was extremely disheartening to learn about. And I haven't really felt this way since like when COVID hit Mm -hmm. and when all the rise of attacks against Asian Americans were happening, but no news coverage was happening against it. And I was extremely frustrated with that as well. But just to sum it up, I was extremely disheartened to hear about it and fearful for everyone else that was involved or could have been involved. Yeah, well, that's terrifying. You're already going to school far from home during a pandemic. And then on top of that, you're fearing for your own mother's life. And, you know, to be, how far do you live from, from Mercer? 
from Mercer, I live two and a half hours away. Right, so it's not like you can be there to, like, you yeah. have any sort of immediate. Um, yeah, that's really scary. Um, I want to add on to that. Um, my mom also works at a nail salon, not in Atlanta, but um, it's like Metro Atlanta. So it's very frustrating to hear, or frustrating to hear that kind of news because you do fear for your mom's life. I'm scared that my mom could walk out, go to her car, and be killed when I have three siblings back at home too. And so it's just my mom and my siblings because my parents are divorced. And so I worry for my whole family because my parents had left Vietnam to come over here to work and build the life that they wanted for their kids. And so to hear stuff like that, very disheartening because they worked and you can only imagine that those females, those women are parents and relatives to other families who could have possibly left their hometown and moved to a foreign country to rebuild something for their family. And so I live um, an hour and a half away from my home. And so it's very, makes me very anxious to think that my mom or my sister and just family members could get hurt from these crimes. And I'm kind of far away. Yeah, um, that's crazy that I feel like all of the Asian Americans that heard about this kind of have the same reaction where they just worry for their parents or their mom. Because um, I talked to my other, my roommate about it, and she's also Asian, um, and she also felt the same thing. Um, but there's also this video going around where the um, police chief, I think, he was talking mm -hmm. about um, the incident, and he was saying that, um, I think everyone knows by this by um, now, but he was like, he's having a bad day. Um, he, I don't know what else he said. He said um, that it, like he was trying to eliminate his temptations. Right, right. But that was just like outrageous, like ridiculous to me. Like if you're going to fetishize Asian women and then say that it's because of sexual, like if it's it's like forgiven to say that it's because of sexual temptation that you're, you murdered these people, like that was just. Outrageous. Yeah, and that's just absolutely ridiculous. Like I heard the news about this the day after so when there was like more facts compiled that's when the police chief actually like made a response to it and that was actually one of the first things i watched and i was like are you serious <laughs> that's absolutely dehumanizing to those people that were killed like we're like asian americans aren't someone's temptations and i actually saw your previous episode of hypersexualization of black women and it's actually kind of similar to what a, like Asian American women have to go through. Like so long how we've been like fetishized and like you hear like phrases like yellow uh, fever mm -hmm. and such like that. And you like the idea that we're like a forbidden fruit makes us like more desirable or something like that. And I've heard stories of like people like saying that, oh, it's because like the anatomy of Asian women are is like different. And that's what makes you kind of like special and it's kind of it's gross to like hear about and you just see that fetishizing and like that's what's going on in this case and it's absolutely ridiculous that they're not saying for what it is it is a hate crime and it's something that shouldn't be taken lightly 
And the fact that he just said like, oh, he's having a bad day is just so disrespectful to the families that have like lost someone in that incident. And absolutely ridiculous that like with other experience, like with like if someone from the black community were to commit a crime, they'd consider thugs. If a Hispanic person had done it, they'd become criminals and like they have or say like bring up like history of all those crimes that they so-called like so forth like may have committed and but if a white man has done it it's like oh he's having a bad day that's absolutely ridiculous Mm -hmm. and so unprecedented it just makes me so frustrated as someone that i personally haven't experienced incidences of um these types of like stereotypes and fetishizing but it's so disheartening to hear and for the police chief, someone who's supposed to like have authority and like, you know, project what's supposed to be like done like better for him to say those things is just absolutely disrespectful, you know? Yeah, um, to add on to what Tiffany and Michelle said, um, the fetishization of Asian Americans, I've seen it in a bunch of media, like, as like, I've always, I've always known that Asians were like the punching bags for comedy. And I've always hated that fact. You're right. Like that's how we've been portrayed like for so long. And that's how people learn to like perceive us. Like it's not the correct way, but that's what they grow up seeing that again, that we're weak, we're someone that's not gonna fight back. And so they take that into account. And especially like with all these attacks, like bullies target those who feel that who they feel are weak right. and it, this pandemic has shown it's been uh, the asian elderly mm-hmm. and the women and it actually frustrates me that the media is just now picking up on these things like these attacks have been going on since the very start of this pandemic like the moment uh trump like mentioned anything about like the, like the coronavirus being like from Asia or like saying phrases like the Kung flu, just like absolutely, I feel like it instilled people like who are racist, like the idea that, oh, since he said it, it's okay for me to like say it as well. And like, oh, there's only so much that like you should say, but like still keep in mind like human decency. Mm-hmm. And you can tell from this experience, like that's not the case. Like, and the fact that major news stations don't cover these instances up until now like great they're covering it now but when where were you back when this whole thing started Mm -hmm. there were so many cases especially on like the west coast Mm -hmm. and like the northeast like new york and stuff like that where like so many elderlies were being like pushed down beaten up some were even killed this one girl was like dragged in california i think from her car it's just absolutely frustrating like where was the news coverage of this when it all started and it probably could have like reduced the amount that were the amount of heat that the Asian community has experienced throughout this whole year. And the fact that some people still don't know that, like I use my social media to post these instances. There's uh, there are Instagram pages that are dedicated to reports based on these Asian hate crimes, mm-hmm. and I use that to post all the time. But one thing that's really struck me was this past week. Someone mentioned like, "Oh, I never knew this was happening." but I've seen that person see my stories, but it just doesn't like click in their head that this is something real and it should be looked at. So I think that's another thing that's been really 
hard to like deal with is the ignorance of people or like the for them not to acknowledge is absolutely frustrating. But now I was just gonna ask um, the question, you know, you mentioned being the jokes, you know, the butt of jokes. And I know like um, Jay Leno and some other people come out, you know, and say, you know, they're sorry and they apologize, you know, for making these statements and kind of, like you said, emboldening people, you know, that are racist and, you know, sexist and xenophobic, xenophobic and all these things, you know, emboldening them to act on their thoughts. They're now making their thoughts, actions, right? And I guess, you know, like, why do you think the media sometimes perpetuates the narrative, right? Why do you think that some channels and some outlets purposely show or portray minorities in one light compared to others, if that makes sense? With, in terms of the model minority, that pits minorities against each other, so we can't unify, and that just furthers their agenda to be able to get away with whatever they want to do, you know? Um, and in terms of the Asian American uh, attacks, like, we're just, honestly, to them, we're statistically insignificant. And they have used that in de uh, research. And so that just that literally just means that we don't matter. And so you see all these like news coverage of like crimes that are happening to like other ethnicities and what they're like going through and stuff, but you don't see any coverage about Asian Americans. But I guess like you said, like even though the civil rights movement, they purposely mm -hmm. put, you know, lynchings in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. They purposely put Emmett Till's death in the, you know, in the magazines. Because again, like you say, when it is exposed and you bring awareness to the issue, then you have to confront the issue, no matter how horrible it is. But sometimes if you downplay it by saying, oh, they're having a bad day or, you know, this wasn't that intentional or he was trying to eliminate, you know, his temptation. You know what I mean? I think that switches the narrative right so then you can almost justify it to a certain degree right you can justify dehumanizing somebody killing somebody you know kneeling on somebody's neck for eight nine minutes on national tv you know etc and the storyline goes on because then you're no longer the villain you can also then at that point well actually i'm the victim because these people have taken my jobs they've done this x y and z you know what i mean sensationalizing um black trauma that's okay because we already know that with um black people like they're not, they're seen as almost like the complete opposite of the model minority. They're like, they exist as the, on the opposite to, on the spectrum of like white supremacy. So they deserve all the um, trauma that they're getting. That's how I, I just saw it. Oh, that's that's actually point. a really good point. Yeah, it is. And that actually made me like remember something in regards to like the mi model minority. Um, like Asians were put on such a high pedestal so that I feel like white supremacists could say like, oh, the system's not colorblind. Like if they can do it, everyone else should be too. If you can't, then you're lazy. And I think that's absolutely wrong. It touches on what you said earlier about pitting minorities against each other. And if the media is run by like the like ideas rooted in white supremacy, it wouldn't make sense to, you know, portray the struggle of any minority accurately. And so like, what if someone was talking about the media makes up stuff like almost all the time um just like further the initiative of like white supremacy so i feel like for asians to promote the idea that asians still get hate despite them being the uh, model minority isn't beneficial because it shows that even asians cannot escape like the hate mm -hmm. that comes with white supremacy and like no matter how good you can be there's no way to escape it so they can't do that 
but with um sensationalizing (laughs) black trauma and then excluding any sort of discrimination towards asian americans is then just continuing to perpetuate these like narratives that are already existing and it wouldn't make sense for them to share the truth um yes i wanted to refer back to internal impact and so um with the media and what they choose to show um affects what everybody internalizes so when we see um coverage with Asian discrimination and crime against Asians, but it's only selective, that affects what we internalize as um, images of stereotypes and discrimination. And so they can choose to cover um, positive things about Asians, like um, the ones that excel in math, science, and STEM classes, and then they choose to only cover some Asian um, discrimination crimes, but not all of it. And so this goes back to um, Black Lives Matter too. And so there was lots of activism and protests, but they didn't show everything. Mm -hmm. They showed only certain point of views of the riots or um, the peaceful protests, but there's a lot of point of views that they don't cover. And so that impacts what we internalize as humans and um, as a community. And so if we're only seeing certain good things and certain bad things, that doesn't cover everything. And so that feeds into certain stereotypes that people see of Asians and people of color. They see Asians as the shy, quiet, polite ones that won't speak up and won't defend themselves against um, anything said to them. When you see media only showing that weak Asians, that's what we internalize. We don't internalize that fact that Asians can be strong or Asians can stand up for themselves. And that goes with people of color too. When they only show the weak ones, it doesn't show any of the strong ones that stand up for themselves and protest peacefully and do good for their community. So on that note, like Mercer specifically, how how do you guys think we can move forward? So we just had this really shocking, really traumatic event um, that has not been addressed um, for what it really is as a hate crime. Yeah. Um, just another instance of a very problematic and violent event being washed over and erased as something that has nothing to do with Asian American discrimination. So how can we stand in solidarity with the Asian American Pacific Islander and then also the black and indigenous people of color um, and other marginalized and targeted populations during these times? You don't have to speak on like all groups, but what what do you think we can do to move forward basically in the Mercer community? Yeah, um, I think the main thing Mercer can do is just information. Information is extremely vital these days. And some people still may not know about like the attacks on Asian Americans, but even about issues like Black Lives Matter and like how it, like just how all minorities are just affected by white supremacy in general. So, I think if Mercer just like maybe inform the students about just these attacks are affecting like everyday like students and even faculty members, then I think that'll make a a large impact on. Mercer as a whole. Mercer could also add like a few programs and such mm-hmm. to like maybe help 
um, inform and help include like either those who are ignorant or those who just want to like feel more included into the campus yeah. as well. At least that's what I'm thinking of anyways. Yeah, that's great. I would actually love for there to be like live discussions of this. Like what we're doing now, I think this is great. I'm just like throwing back like uh, everyone's like, like experience and opinions. Like if this were to be with like a live audience, I think that would be amazing yeah. to like get real live like thoughts or like what they are currently thinking. Hopefully by the end of it, we can actually like open their minds up to something they didn't think was going on or like they changed their perspective. Yeah. And besides like a live audience, we could, I'm not, I don't know what INT teaches because I'm an engineer, so I don't have to take it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like to like incorporate more discussion about this within classrooms. Cause you know, not everyone's going to show up to let's say like a live discussions or mm -hmm. even just like, anything live because you know people i don't know they don't really feel interested yeah. but if they actually have to do it like actually look into it for let's say a grade they're more motivated by that to actually look up more information and maybe by then they can inform themselves better yeah, yeah, sense. yeah i think it's a common issue that like the resources are there but no, the people who yeah. need to hear it the most aren't the ones who are yeah. like they aren't taking advantage out. of it yeah. exactly because they benefit from the system. They don't want to hear why they're the bad guy. Do you benefit? It's like, it's like a commercial. Do you benefit, Do you benefit from, from the system? Then listen to Mercer Mondays. <laughs> and if so, you can find solutions on how to mitigate the system and make it more equitable for everyone. Wow, that's so good. I mean, I want to say something that might be a bit controversial, but I find it very how we always stuff like this to like a white audience almost it's assumed to be a white audience almost like we're teaching them something which we are sometimes i guess but at least for me the work it takes to like convince white people on that side you know that i guess on con conscious side is so much to a point that like by the time they bring we bring them over here we don't even know like how far they're willing to like um you know like hand over their like privilege like they may at least put enough work to like help other people but when it comes to like them accessing their own privilege they might not be up for that so that's like yet another work like a lot i don't want to but like there's a lot more work to do so at least for me i work on the on my idea of like connecting to like other minorities and like building coalition with them to mm -hmm. further who are already like on our side and for the cause. Okay. Yeah. It's like, cause I feel like that you can go further with that. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And talking about, like, I keep going back to people <laughs> saying pitting minorities Instead of working in solidarity with each other, yeah, and I think there, you know, there's not there's strength in numbers, obviously. And I think, you know, the reason why the civil rights movement worked together is because you had a diverse group of people working together towards a common cause. Mm -hmm. And I think if we could ever get back to that form of momentum, however it looks and whatever form it takes, whatever the, the leaders are, and it doesn't have to be, you know, four or five identifiable leaders, it could be, you know, group, you know, like a group, a group effort, you know, I think it just has to 
get started and start moving because I always talk about the movable middle, right? If you think about racism or sexism or xenophobia, whatever it may be, anti anti-Semitic, being on a spectrum, right? You're going to have the people on the far right, people on the far right, far left, and those people that can be persuaded in the middle to go either way. So I think you always got to work on that movable middle. But I also think like, you know, we, we kind of did our little jingle, a jingle a few minutes ago saying like, if you benefit from the system, but again, to a certain to a certain degree, we all benefit from the system, right? But with that being said, is that obviously there's others that benefit more greatly, right? And instead of these unearned privileges, right? So I think you would have, what you have to do is make sure you're examining how you're benefiting and then how you can be more equitable and share that privilege because we all can be prejudiced and biased. But again, the system, the racism part that we really, really have to take a look at and we want to be more anti-racist there's a set of supremacy that comes with that and that has to be explored on a different front, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So again, it, it's gonna take a, a multifactorial approach with a lot of individuals that are from different backgrounds and different understandings, whether it's social economic, whether it's you know, race, ethnicity, gender identity, what have you, to really approach the system and be intentional about dismantling it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's not gonna just happen one day, one march, you know, one person speaking out, it has to be a collective buy-in and has to persist, you know, because that's what you talk about. You can't just make incremental change. You have to make, if you're going to change the culture and the climate of something, that takes years. Because imagine all of these things, like you meant back all the way to 1800s, we going back to slavery, you know what I mean? These things have been persistent in our country and it has profited our economy for hundreds of years. So it's going to take intentional efforts and policies and procedures to dismantle it with the help of everyone. Alrighty, everyone. Well, thank you so much for everything that you shared today. This has been a really um, informative, educational, a really great episode. I can honestly say this may have been the best so far, um, but I really appreciate all of you guys taking the time to come here today. Um, thank you to all of our listeners at home. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure you tune in next week on Mercer Mondays.